Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here. This is still November 12, 2023, and this is still Eurofolk Radio. And we are now again on Voice of Christian Israel. And we're going to continue our study in the book of Galatians. All this time, we're going to do a really detailed word study of the word, well, actually the word of, <laughs> the, the Greek word en, which can be translated as in or as of, and as in the expression, the faith of Christ versus faith in Christ. And this is a subject that uh, whether you believe in the faith of Christ, which is one thing, and it's very specific, namely what he taught us, as opposed to how the Judeo-Christian world approaches a, a faith in Christ. So they believe that if you simply believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. But are you are you sharing what Yahshua taught us when you have a faith in somebody or some entity or some vague idea called Jesus? I mean, if your idea about Jesus is so vague that you can't even describe what it is he came to expect of us, then you don't have any faith at all. You've got a mere belief. And so the word, the operative word, is the Greek word pistis. And hold on, I think, uh, I thought I had put this in the chat room. I didn't. So let me uh, do that right now. Because this word is of paramount importance, and it is a problem for, quote-unquote, believers. Not so much a problem for those of us in identity who believe in the covenant message. covenant message is that we are his kinsmen. He is our kinsman redeemer. The covenants came from through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, only to us Israelites, etc. That's the covenant message, and those covenants were not generalized to the rest of the world. Okay, uh, I'll see if I can up the volume a bit. Hold on. I don't know what the issue is, but I'll see what I can do here. I will bring up this. uh, Oh, I see what happened. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that should be an improvement. Let me just double check my... uh, Signal here, one, two, yeah, I'll boost it a little more. Yeah, ever since I had to uh, reset my entire computer, uh, some of these fine-tuning adjustments uh, have been lacking. So that should be an improvement. And, uh, yeah, I think I can uh, boost it just a little more. As uh, I guess we have a different volume level when we're on Speak Free Radio because they have their own volume. And I have mine here on my computer which I can see can be up to bit. So let me save these volume settings. And uh, so I don't lose them. And I may have to boost them a little higher yet after today's show. Or just give me some feedback if it's still not loud enough, okay? So uh, we need to uh, perfect this stream, okay? All right, so uh, that, that should be a little better. And I can control most of the volume right here, but the music was very loud in my headphones, right? So uh, I need to adjust all those settings again after having to reset my computer. Anyway, so the the article there is from the Anabaptist Wiki. Okay, all right, very good. So, yeah, get the cotton out of your ears, right? Get the cotton out of your ears. Favorite saying of our people. <laughs> Sounding better. Thank you. Okay. Now, so the operative word here is faith. What does the word faith 
really mean? The operative expression is faith in Christ or faith of Christ. And faith is the Greek word pistis. And I have been consistently arguing, consistently arguing that the Greek word pistis means faithfulness or fidelity. Under no circumstances can the Greek word pistis mean mere belief in something. Because, well, if you have mere belief in something, you get what we have today. 33,000 denominations of Judeo-Christianity, none of whom agree with one another. Because, why? Because they don't have the faith of Yahshua. They have mere belief in Yahshua. And they can't even explain to you, what, you know, what did he actually come for? Who are the covenant people? They can't tell you any of that. That just shows you how shallow the Judeo-Christian world is. But here, I'm going to quote start before we get back into the book of Galatians. This is from Revelation. And this is Revelation 2.19. I know thy works. And the word works here is ergon toil as an effort or occupation by implication an act deed doing labor work all right so revelation 2:19 says i see what you're doing <laughs> okay and your charity the faith only crowd would have us believe that charity is not necessary and service i guess that's not necessary either and here's the word faith which is pistis, persuasion, credence, moral conviction, reliance, constancy. Are you consistently merely believing and you don't know what you believe in? <laughs> right? That's, that's the state the world is in. The Judeo-Christian world is in this state. By extension, truth itself. Oh, do you believe in the truth or do you believe Jewish lies? Assurance, belief, believe, faith, fidelity. I like fidelity best of all those choices because it's really obvious that we are judged both according to our works and according to our fidelity. We're not judged according to our mere belief. And those who merely believe and do not demonstrate what they believe in by their acts, they're not getting into the kingdom. So let's continue here. And faith, and thy patience. Oh, man, I'm losing patience, folks. <laughs> I'm, I'm losing patience with Judeo-Christians. Okay, patience is hupomene. Hupomene, meaning cheerfulness, or hopefulness. Endurance, constancy. Oh, constancy. Hmm. Can you trust somebody? Can you put your faith in somebody or something? Can you trust yourself? Do you have faith in yourself? Are you able to be faithful toward others? Do you keep your promises? <laughs> right? And it means enduring, patience, patient, continuance. Okay? So, obviously, we have to be all of these things. And... But what are you waiting for? Are you waiting to be raptured? Are you waiting for the millennium? Are you waiting for uh, the, the cavalry, the U.S. cavalry to come swooping down and kill all those Indians? And thy works. Works. All right, that's twice. That's twice in Revelation 2.19. The word works. The word faith only occurs once in this passage. And, of course, James said, faith without works is dead, and the last to be more than the first. Okay, so your latter works, you know, after you've grown up and uh, have understood the gospel or the covenant message, because that's what the gospel is, it's the covenant message. Once you have this type of understanding are you, therefore, more reliable than you were before? So let me read the passage all the way through. Remember, it has the word works twice. 
and the word faith only once, and yet we have all these Judeos who say works are irrelevant. You don't need to demonstrate works. That's a lie, folks. That's a blatant Judeo lie. I know thy works and thy charity, which is another work, and service, which is more work, and faith, which is constancy or faithfulness, which also is work. You have to demonstrate <laughs> your your faith by your works and thy patience. Now, of these, all of these, only the word patience can be construed as not having any necessary activity, but even in the sense that you're having to wait to see something develop, right? It's not like you haven't done anything to contribute toward the development, okay? But that's what the Judeo-Christians are doing. They're waiting to be raptured. Uh, actually, you know, they're waiting to get kicked in the butt. They need a good swift kick in the butt and get with it and understand what the scriptures really mean. Anyway, and thy works again, and the last to be more than the first. So your final days ought to be more constant, more fidelitous. What's the word? Faithful than your beginning. As you understand more and more of the scriptures, you should be more reliable than you were earlier. Okay, and that dovetails exactly to Galatians 4.1, which we'll get to momentarily and so let me go quickly to galatians chapter 3 galatians 3:22 which we talked about briefly last time and which can which is translated in the king james version as faith in christ but oh wait a minute this version is different. I stand corrected. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Now, what's believe is a different word. Well, it's, it's pisti, <laughs> pistio. Pistio. That's not quite the same as Pistis, pistio, so he uses a version of pistis in Galatians 3.22. Let me read the whole scripture again. But the scripture, what scripture? The Old Testament. Hath concluded all under sin that the promise by the belief or the faith of, the faithfulness of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe or have a faith in something, okay? So, in order for you to gain that constancy of purpose and regularity, that accountability, that people can count on you, you have to start with belief, and it's pistio, which is not the same as pistis, okay? In order to entrust, to put your trust in, Okay, that's what pistio means. Uh, but pistis, to me, is action. So you have to start out with putting your trust in to, into Yahshua. And once you realize that Yahshua is trustworthy, <laughs> and they never stray from what he expects of us, that is how Galatians 3.22 is to be understood. Now, other translations will have faith in Jesus, which is a much weaker statement of the fact. So let's go into this document. The faith of Jesus Christ in Galatians. Over the last several decades, a lively debate has been taking place over the meaning of the phrase faith of Christ or faith of Jesus Christ in Paul's writings. The recent debate was triggered by Richard Hayes' dissertation on Galatians 3. He took the position that the phrase refers to Christ's own faith or faithfulness rather than to the believer's faith in Christ, which has been common in English translations. However, we should notice that in subsequent debate, Hayes has taken a moderate position 
resisting the now fashionable trend to see this meaning in many other formulations of Pauline faith. So as you know, I've always been arguing that mere faith or mere belief is never adequate. Although Pistillo in this, uh, is referenced in th- that verse that I just quoted, but in conjunction with pistis, which in my view means fidelity and lesser meanings are not acceptable. The faith of Christ is the literal translation of the Greek pistis tau Christu. Okay, so this guy is a Greek specialist and he's telling us the faith of, not in, is the literal translation of the Greek pistis tau Christu. The expression appears in Galatians in 2.16 twice, 2.20, Son of God, and 3.22, which I just quoted. It appears elsewhere in the undisputed letters of Paul in Romans 3.22, and Philippians 3.9, and elsewhere. The two principal ways this phrase is currently translated in the debate are Jesus Christ's faith, slash faithfulness, or faith in Jesus Christ. Now, just just from looking at the two expressions, you can see there's a huge range of difference that can be attributed to the word of versus in. Faith of Christ, of Yahshua, is one thing because he is truthful, honest, and trustworthy and has not deviated one iota from the message that he had delivered to us. Faith in Jesus Christ merely means what the believer thinks of Jesus Christ, which can be the range from nothing to virtually everything, but all of it can still be wrong. Because if you're not following the covenant message, then you have the wrong faith. And you you have the faith in the wrong Jesus, which is the problem. Too many Christians have faith in the wrong Jesus, so here we go. Thus, the person named can be either the doer, the subject, or the receiver, the object of the action implied by the other noun, faith in this case. The expression baptism of the Spirit, for example, can mean either the baptism done by the Spirit or the baptism in which the Spirit is given. But what's given? The Spirit. (laughs) And you have to qualify. You have to accept the Spirit, into your being, or as most people say, into your heart. If you don't accept that Spirit into your heart, now what Spirit? The Spirit of trustworthiness, the Spirit that the Yahweh's Word is true, and that if you trust in Yahweh's Word, you will be delivered. Just as those Israelites who accepted Yahshua's sacrifice at the cross as their kinsman redeemer were delivered. Those who did not accept his sacrifice, which means they had no faith or no faithfulness, were not delivered. And you can see at Pentecost, there weren't millions of Judeo-Christians being given the Holy Spirit. It was only Israelites of the 12 tribes who were gathered there at that time. Okay? The expression baptism of the Spirit means something completely different by baptism in the Spirit. Although, it is, he says correctly, or baptism in which the Spirit is given. That's a good way of putting it. In Greek grammar, these options are known respectively as the subjective genitive or the objective genitive. Consequently, if we take our... So, who is saying it? Who's the, whose faith are we talking about here? Well, obviously, Yahshua was faithful to us. All the things that he suffered on this earth demonstrated his faithfulness to us. And everything he did on this planet was action. Not mere thoughts, but action. When Abraham put Isaac on the altar, getting ready to sacrifice him, it was not mere belief, folks. He was actually getting ready to sacrifice his son. He dragged him up to that altar, put him on the altar, raised the knife, and was getting ready to plunge it in in Isaac's chest. 
when the angel stopped him. I don't think that's mere belief, folks. No, 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 that's not mere belief. This is faithfulness. It requires action. Consequently, if we take our phrase in a subjective sense, the meaning is the faith or faithfulness that Jesus Christ displays, while the objective sense is expressed as faith directed to Jesus. Now, the faith directed by any believer toward Yahshua Messiah can mean just about anything. That's the problem with the word in when it is translated in this manner. Faith of Messiah is better. This kind of ambiguity is common in language, and we depend on something in the context or our experience to determine the correct meaning. For instance, when Paul says, quote, the love of Messiah compels us, now he didn't, uh, he could also have said the love in Messiah, but in this case, the love of Messiah or in Messiah have no difference. It's, it's still talking about what is in Messiah, okay? But faith of Jesus, faith in Jesus have two different objects, okay? Faith in Jesus means that you're the one, you're talking about your own faith. Faith of Messiah, you're talking about his faithfulness. Okay, two complete, the objective versus the subjective uh, clearly make a, a major distinction in how that verse is to be interpreted. For instance, when Paul says the love of Christ compels us in 2 Corinthians 5.14, does he mean our love for Christ? No, he's talking about his love for us. That, that would be if it's talking about our love. I wouldn't even have read it that way. So, in other words, does he mean our love for Christ, objective genitive, or Christ's love for us, subjective genitive? Either possibility exists in both the Greek and the English. But it's very clear to me that the variety of faith, (laughs) the variety of belief, and the disagreement that various, even those Judeo-Christians who believe that all you have to do is believe, that most of them can't even tell you what they actually believe in. They believe in some Jesus uh, a statue on their on their mantle, or a, a painting on their wall, right? And it goes not, rarely goes deeper than that. Martin Luther's translation is the first known instance where our phrase was rendered in a German equivalent to faith in Jesus Christ. Before that, translations tended to preserve the ambiguity of translating word for word, and they used the word of. The history of English translations is interesting in this regard. The King James Version translated our phrase in its usual literal way as faith of Yahshua Messiah. How the common reader understood this is unclear, but the overwhelming number of commentators before the late 20th century interpreted in the sense of the believer's faith in Jesus Christ. Well, it can mean both, and there's very little ambiguity when you use the word of. Faith of Messiah is telling us his faithfulness toward us. And he says, only recently have translations begun to footnote the possible alternative reading of faith of Jesus Christ. And I think that's because that's being true to the Greek, not church Greek. Church Greek is the problem. For this reason, modern English readers remain largely unaware of the ambiguity in Paul's expression. Well, obviously it can mean both. But uh, there's only one expression, when you use the word of, that you have a constant theology. Because Yahshua does not change his theology like we do and like the churches do. Therefore, mere faith in Jesus Christ, and they don't even interpret the word faith to mean fidelity. They interpret to mean mere belief. But that will not do, folks. That simply will not do. 
Adding to our difficulty is the fact that pistis, the biblical word for faith, has a range of meanings. It can mean trust, faith, or faithfulness, fidelity, or beliefs. Now, of course, your beliefs have to fall in line with what he taught, do they not? In the sense of the thing believed, particularly relevant to the present question is the choice between placing trust in something or someone and being faithful or trustworthy. Now, do you have faith that the U.S. Cavalry will come and save America from Biden and Trump? I don't think any of you have that kind of faith, at least not here in the Eurofolk radio crowd. We don't put our faith in anything human. We put our faith in Yeshua. Is Paul emphasizing the disposition with which one relates to God as faith and trust? Or with a behavior that displays fidelity toward God as with faithfulness? Okay, so here's that word behavior and works. Paul emphasizes works constantly in all of his epistles. Those who teach faith only totally ignore Paul's emphasis on works here, there, and everywhere. So this idea that faith is mere belief is a very Judeo-Christian concept not consistent with the covenant message and not consistent with any consistency of interpretation. Right? That is the situation. So the difference between pisteo <laughs> pisteo Christian, right? I like that. Pisteo. Uh, uh, okay. Oh, sorry. I got interference from uh, from my Skype signal here. Okay, so leave me alone. Okay, another woman trying to trying to rope me into a, a date. Okay, so let's get back to it. Uh oh, she's distracting me. I'm gonna have to. I may have to turn Skype off. Yeah, I guess I'm gonna have to turn Skype off. This is getting annoying. Okay. All right. So, uh, where was I? <laughs> I haven't turned off Skype totally. I'm going to have to do that. All right. Sorry, folks. Okay. I'm sure you can hear that. I'm just going to have to uh, tell her to go go take a jump. Sorry, Tracy. <laughs> Go, go back under, crawl up back under that rock where you came from. All right. I have to reset my Skype sound settings so that these calls don't make noise when they come in. Sorry about that, folks. All right. So let's get back to our topic. One can see also why major questions of theology soon surface in this discussion. What is Paul trying to do? Is he emphasizing Yahshua's work in redemption by grounding it in his own faith or faithfulness? Well, obviously. And this is why, and I have stated in the past, this is what Paul means by not all Israel is Israel. If you are an Israelite, especially in his day and age, who still believes that the animal sacrifices are necessary for redemption, then you simply do not understand that he was the last sacrifice. Okay, you do not understand that. He actually had to explain this to Peter. Right? So, and, and Peter was not a Jew, and Jesus was not a Jew, and circumcision, Paul says, is nothing. It's nothing. Belief in the law is important, he says. He doesn't contrast circumcision against faith. He contrasts it against the law, folks. Okay? So, he is emphasizing Yahshua's faithfulness toward us by his actions. Now, that is the true meaning of faith. Faithfulness. Because he didn't do anything in terms of mere ideas. He came here to act on our behalf. And that's what James means when he says faith without works is dead. Or is he accenting the fact that the believer, uh, well, the Israelite, is redeemed through that uh, that belief? 
based on Jesus Christ's work. Well, again, at least that, that incorporates, that idea incorporates what Yahshua came to do for us. Remember, as I said earlier, the entire animal sacrifice ritual for 750 years, actually longer than that because it began uh, around uh, 1446 BC, 1500 years animal sacrifice was merely a rehearsal for the real thing which came when he was sacrificed on Calvary. All right? All those rehearsals no longer need to be done because the performance happened, okay? The performance actually happened, and it doesn't need to be repeated. It's a one-time thing. So all those Judahites, let alone Jews, who did not accept his as the last sacrifice, did not understand, appreciate what he did. If they continued to practice circumcision, then they're saying, oh, well, that didn't need to be, that didn't happen. (laughs) Although circumcision itself is not one of those, um, there's nowhere in scripture that says circumcision is performed for redemption of sins. Okay. So that's, that's not part of the discussion here. So let's continue. If faith means the thing believed, is the question of who does the action besides the point, okay? So what, but even more, is what is it that you believe? That's the real question. Do you believe the covenant message? Or do you believe the Jews? And obviously, Judaism is not the covenant message. So you have to have some glimmering or idea of what it is you believe. Otherwise, you're just, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it, a bobber bobbing up and down on the ocean. You have no idea what it is you believe, but you believe in some guy called Jesus, Jaime Jesus, or that... uh, that uh, pot-smoking hippie Jesus, right? <laughs> that was popular in the 60s. So what type of Jesus do you believe in? Didn't Yahshua do all kinds of works, like committing miracles, kicking the Jews out of the temple, castigating the Jews with his words? There is nothing about his ministry that was inactive unless maybe he was asleep and praying for us. But even that, praying is more is still an activity. You're engaging your mind for a particular objective. But if you're just sitting there on your couch listening to a, telecast, a televangelist, <laughs> I'm sorry, that does not qualify as faith. Not even close. So let me can repeat this again. It can mean trust, faith, or faithfulness, fidelity, or beliefs in the sense of the thing believed. Right. He's talking about what it is you believe in, not the person you believe in. But, but most of these Judeo-Christians don't, can't even tell you what they believe in. They believe in Jesus. They, they worship this idea of somebody that looks like Jesus, and they can't even tell you what he came for. They, they can't even tell you. Oh, oh, the redemption. Well, to, to whom does the redemption apply? Well, it only applies to Israel, true Israel. doesn't apply to anybody else. But they, they'll never be able to tell you that because they don't know enough about the Bible to even suggest that. So what do they believe in? And the answer to that is practically nothing. Is Paul emphasizing the disposition with which one relates to God as in faith, faith as trust or trustworthiness, or with a behavior that displays fidelity towards God as with faithfulness, or a combination of the two? Well, actually, the two go together, but as uh, as, as James said, faith without works is dead. You 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 start with believing what you're told, and then. By your actions, you you display 
your faithfulness, because that's what we're asked to do. Your citizenship in the kingdom is not going to be passive. It's not going to be passive. And your citizenship in the kingdom right now, as Brother Hebert emphasized in his message just before this, the kingdom is within you or among you. The kingdom is already here. We just have to accept it. And what the Jews are doing is trying to distract us away from the kingdom. And don't fall for that. Don't believe for one second that some earthly president or earthly savior is necessary or some third temple is necessary. What's necessary is for you to accept the kingdom in your being that it's already here and act accordingly. All right? If you don't act accordingly, your faith is meaningless. If Paul means Jesus Christ's faith, subjective genitive, did Christ himself exercise trust in God? He most certainly did. As do other believers. Yeah, by what? By their actions. Or did he demonstrate faithfulness to God in his life and work or both? Well, he he did both. But in both senses of what the author is saying here, it requires action. Not mere ideas. One can also see why major questions of theology soon surface in this discussion. What is Paul trying to do? Is he emphasizing Yahshua's work in redemption by grounding it in Christ's own faith or faithfulness? I would say so. Certainly yes to that. Or is he accenting the fact that the believer, or Israelite, is redeemed through the Israelite's faith based on Jesus Christ's work? Well, that too, right? It works both ways. But essential to the discussion here is that mere ideas is never enough to get you into the kingdom. So obviously this author is talking about this subject in terms of the Judeo-Christian denominational view and not from the covenant message point of view, which makes this, when you're a covenanter, this is really easy. You know, mere belief is not enough. Mere belief will never get you in the kingdom. Uh, You have to obey the commandment. Again, here, Revelation 12, 19, those who keep the commandments of Yahweh and have the faith of Yahshua Messiah. You have to have both. Mere belief is not enough to get you into the kingdom. Those who believe they're going to be raptured, what do they base that on? Suppositions. What, what actions are they pursuing to make sure that the rapture bus will stop at their doorway? Nothing. They're not doing anything. They're sitting on their tush waiting for the rapture bus. They didn't even pay a price. You should go to the bus stop and deposit your quarter and make sure the bus stops there. Well, it's not stopping there. That no matter how much they believe, it's not going to happen. Okay? So mere belief is actually meaningless. Okay, so such fundamental theological issues make this debate lively and lasting. Yeah, it's going to probably last until kingdom come. Despite the preceding ambiguities, most interpreters agree that none of the options in this debate fundamentally changes Paul's theology. Well, yes, it does. Because if your belief uh, or your definition of the word pistis is mere belief, then there is a fundamental problem. Because the question becomes, what what is it that you believe in? What is it that you believe in? Mere belief will never get you anywhere. And this is actually a common thought. It's New Ageism. The the New Agers actually believe and teach that if you believe something hard enough, it will happen. I don't know. I guess they've been believing in world and praying in their own way for world peace for how many umpteen years, 60 years since that movement started in the 1960s. Uh, I, I don't think that their visualization of world peace, we make fun of their belief in world peace because we call it world peace because nothing has come of their belief. You have to obey Yahweh's commandments 
if you want to accomplish anything in this world. Okay? So, despite the preceding ambiguities, there is the, the debate. Actually, he says it doesn't have any fundamental changes. Yes, it does. Because whether you accentuate your faithfulness, unless your belief is accentuated by works, it's meaningless. It means nothing. Okay, so if you sit around merely believing that you're going to be raptured, uh, your, your belief means nothing. Now, you may get lucky and, uh, you know, the CTA bus may come along and take you to the airport, but then you still don't know where that plane is going to go. Anyway, adequate evidence for his views exists in other parts of his writing. Well, but this guy, it's ambiguous what this guy actually believes. He's just giving us the the two options. He's not telling us which option he want, he accepts. Nevertheless, accurate assessments of Paul's meaning in each context can help us weigh nuances and accents in his theology. Okay, I don't like that word, nuances. Especially weigh nuances. Can anybody in the chat room tell me how much a nuance weighs? <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. It def- yeah so circumcision is definitely still a commandment for newborns, but if you aren't, you needn't seek to have it done. Yeah, as Paul says, the more important thing is that you obey the commandments, which the Jews don't do, yet they stress circumcision, okay? He clearly states that obeying the commandments is more important than the ritual, okay? Yeah. So, yeah, and of course, uh, and Brother Hebert made a good point in his uh, previous discussion of the rapture or the kingdom of heaven. Where is the kingdom? Well, if you believe in multi-universes, which physicists do these days, this earthly state, this earthly dimension exists within the heavenly dimension. It's not that heaven is up there and we're down here. Our dimension actually exists within the heavenly dimension. So, you can say the kingdom is within you or among you, within you collectively, within us collectively, and among us collectively, but not all of us do what it takes to be faithful servants. Those are the five foolish virgins who think that mere belief will get them in the kingdom, right? An assumption. That's an assumption. A mere belief is nothing more than an assumption. You have to back it up with your actions, and precious few Christians do that. Precious few. Okay. Okay. In light of the recent trend just identified, which I think he is saying the more recent trend is to translate as the faith of Christ and his faithfulness towards us which is the way i the way i prefer it but faith in christ or faithfulness toward christ would even be better would demand as abraham demonstrated some kind of activity on your part not just waiting around to see what happens okay all right That'll never work. It has never worked. Unless you got lucky that day. All right? Despite the potential of this translation to stimulate new insights in Paul's thought, there is no claim that it introduces a totally new dimension. It supports the highlighting of other topics in Paul that have not always been given their due. Principle here is the concept of Yahshua's obedience, which closely parallels the idea of faithfulness. There you go. Faithfulness and identification with Yahshua makes the life example of Yahshua Messiah essential. Right. He is our example. How many faith-only Judeos follow his example? Wow. One out of a thousand? One out of ten thousand? One out of a hundred thousand? 
Thus, a new a theology of Christ's own faith is compa- compatible with Paul's thought. Very good. Thus, a theology of Yahshua's own faith or faithfulness is compatible with Paul's thought. That certainly is true. But, what about the other side of the coin? How am I demonstrating my faithfulness to him? By sitting around waiting to be raptured? By sitting around writing checks to the Israeli state? Thinking that'll get me into the kingdom? Ooh. Whoa. It also indicates that how we understand our expression does not determine how we understand Paul's theology overall. Well, that's the issue. What does Paul actually mean? In no way, shape, or form does Paul mean by pistis mere belief. As he says repeatedly, you have to believe in in Christ's redeeming sacrifice what he came down to do for us as our kinsman redeemer, you have to start by accepting that. All these Judeo-Christians believe that he, you know, he died on the cross, but they falsely believe he died for the whole planet, for other races. So what good is their faith if it's based on false belief? Okay, now this guy is being, I'd say, uh, very pedantic here, but one more paragraph at least here. First, Paul nowhere gives an extended exposition of such an understanding using this specific vocabulary. Okay, at this point, I would have to say this. Since the Israelites he, he is talking to, whether of the dispersed ten tribes or of the two-tribed house of Judah in Galilee or in Judea, none of these people would have believed at that time that merely believing that Jesus had come would be a guarantee of their quote-unquote salvation. That thought would have been totally foreign to them, especially those of the house of Judah. Okay. The best thing that the dispersion could ask for is, okay, this promised redemption by their kinsman redeemer was promised in the Old Testament, and now they're being made to understand, okay, it happened. It finally happened. Our Messiah has come. And then the next question they would have is, okay, what do I do to secure my salvation, right? And none of them would have thought, well, just sitting around doing nothing is the answer to that. No, the vast majority of them, whether of the house of Judah or the house of Israel, suffered tremendously for their Messiah. If they didn't do that, that shows that they were faithful. They actually allowed themselves to be murdered by the Romans and others, for their Messiah. This is what martyrdom really consists of. But but if it means mere belief that he came to save you, then why should you even bother, you know, why should you worry about being martyred? He, as the modern Judeos say, we are saved whether we want it or not. No, that's a lie, folks. That is to besmirching the lives of all the martyrs of history. If that were true, none of those martyrs needed to have been martyred. Would not have gained them anything. Okay? This just shows the shallowness of modern Judeo Christianity, especially the beliefs of the antinomians and the faith only crowd. All right, so what he considers ambiguous faith of versus faith in is not ambiguous when you look at what the saints of that day actually did. And none of them sat around doing nothing as modern Judeos do. Okay? Their works 
are paramount, as I quoted to begin with in Revelation 2.19. The word works is mentioned twice, the word faith only once. So in both Galatians and Romans context where our phrase appears, Paul uses Abraham as an example of faith in support of his argument. In Galatians 3, Paul shows that Abraham's faith, that is faithfulness, it's clearly faithfulness because he did something. Exemplifies human response to the promise of God or to the divine initiative of God. Note the large number of references in the chapter to promise which has faith as its corollary. Yeah, what do you believe in? <laughs> what is it that you believe in? If you believe that Yahshua came to save all people, all races, so that they get to heaven, when actually the kingdom is within you, and it's going to be given to us, we don't need to go anywhere. Remember, the book of Revelation says, the city four square will descend right here to planet Earth. We don't really need to go anywhere. We don't have to be raptured up into the sky and then brought back down. I hope they don't have a rough landing if they are taken up in the sky. <laughs> okay. All right. So he attempts to make faithful Abraham a type of the faithful Christ in support of the concept of Christ's faith or faithfulness in Galatians. Do not do justice to this context. I don't know what he means by this. It's clear, very clear. And all the other examples in Hebrews... I believe it's Hebrews 10 or 13, where he points to examples of quote-unquote faith. They are always examples of personages in the Old Testament doing, doing things that demonstrate their faithfulness. On no occasion does Paul reference anything that does not involve works. Okay. So here... This author is kind of debating the, the position of various states of what I, and in fact, they're, they're unbelievers in the sense that they don't follow their works, their beliefs up with actions. And that's true of, of both sides of the argument in the Judeo-Christian world, okay? That's because they don't accept the covenant message. Christ is not an exact parallel to Abraham. Well, Isaac was, <laughs> Right? And when Abraham raised his knife, preparing to sacrifice Isaac, it's not recorded in the Bible, but it's recorded in Jasher, that Isaac said to his father Abraham, yeah, if I'm to be the sacrifice, do it. Plunge the knife into my chest. Okay, he's accepting the act that, ha the act that has to be done. Christ is not said to have faith in the divine promise. Well, yeah, that's because that's because he's the promised one. He's the one who's who's getting ready to be delivered to us. So he didn't Christ is not the object of any promises. We are. We are the object of the promise. So this is something apparently that he doesn't understand either. Yeah, he did not but what he did was his actions showed his faithfulness to the Father. I and the Father are one, and the Father is greater than I, and I do the Father's will. Uh, I what? I do the Father's will. I don't sit around doing nothing. If he were like the modern Judeo-Christian, we would have nothing for our salvation. Okay? That's how shallow their thinking really is. He continues, For, furthermore, Paul's appeal to Abraham focuses on faith as trust, trustworthiness, and openness to God's promise, not on faithfulness or obedience. Well, I, I disagree with that. Because if you, don't, if you don't show your faith through your actions, then you're not, then you're not being obedient, okay? Obedience, again, Revelation 12, 19, those, those who are saved have the commandments of God. They obey the commandments. Obey means you act accordingly. Obedience means action. And have the faithfulness of Yahshua Messiah. That's why these words are so important. And the de definition you accept 
And of course, the theologians will give you a, a wide range of definitions of the word faith or pistis. But faith of Messiah is the best translation, in my opinion, because that's what we're supposed to be following. He's our example. It's, it's not a cartoon character that, which he is in the minds of most Judeo-Christians. He's just a cartoon character. They could not give you a definition of what he, what he, where he came from, why he came, and what was happening now. They can't give you that because their theologians have not given, given them that. But close attention to Paul's arguments in this context suggests that Paul is emphasizing faith more than faithfulness. I disagree with that. It's the exact opposite. Faith in Galatians refers predominantly to human receptivity. Well, you have to be receptive. But what does your receptivity mean if it isn't followed up with works? All right? To demonstrate that, that your faith means something. Okay? And the gift of redemption and to God's gift of the Spirit. Okay? Well, we, we find that the Spirit can only be given to those of us who are Israelites and whose spirits are what? Obedient and worthy. If we're not that, then we can't receive the Spirit either. So this, again, just shows the, the shallowness of Judeo-Christianity in the modern world. One final paragraph, short one here. Third, Paul's view of faith was a matter of dispute in the earliest church. Yeah, as it is right now. The letter of James reflects this debate. Interesting, the debate in James centers on faith in relation to works. Yeah, exactly both of which are actions of the believer. Clearly, the debate is not about faith as faithfulness. Yes, it is. Faith as faithfulness. You have to demonstrate what you believe in. Otherwise, James would have had no reason to emphasize works. The idea of faithfulness does not appear in Hebrews. Yes, it does. It appears in Hebrews because he clearly uses Abraham and others as examples of what they did to demonstrate their faithfulness, okay? You always have to make a demonstration. Sitting around doing nothing never counts, never counts at all. Uh, that's only in horseshoes, which refer to Christ as faithful. Yeah, he was faithful to us. This fits the themes of those books, which call for the perseverance of believers. Yeah, of course, the Bible says nothing about believers and only Israelites under testing. Well, okay. Under testing, all right, what's perseverance? What's perseverance other than demonstrating your faithfulness? But he says Galatians deals with a different issue. No, it does not. Galatians deals with our qualifications as citizens of the kingdom. And you cannot demonstrate that without your actions. That's my view. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition, take care, everybody, and don't sit around like a bump on a log like the Judeo-Christians do. You must follow your belief with action.